0: a member at Gateway Baptist Church, I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand right now. Look at all those people that are standing. Look at one of them and say, Happy Anniversary. Happy Anniversary. anniversary. Okay, so let me tell you all something. All you that are standing. We have seen about 3,000 pictures this morning of buildings. But you, Our Gateway Baptist Church. We thank God. That auction thing. I'm crying at that auction. Man, I'm telling you, that's an unbelievable thing. What God has done and it started everything about Gateway. It's just been amazing, these buildings, how God has provided along the way. But I'm going to tell you something. As amazing as that is, every one of you that are standing, you are the church of Gateway Baptist Church. And don't ever forget, it is not walls, and it is not carpeting, it is people. And praise God for every one of you. Happy anniversary. Let's give them a hand. You can be seated. Amen. Happy anniversary. Now, let me say something else, though. Not to counteract what I just said. I've heard a lot of preachers do series on the names of God. And boy, they're good. I, I, I've seen them. But you know what? They've thrown this one in. Now, the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there, there are three names for God. Jehovah, Jeho- You say Jehovah. Jehovah God. Elohim. And Adonai. And those are the only three names of God. Now, I know a lot of preachers go, no, no, Brother Schiller, I heard a 14-week series on all the names of God. Yeah, The others are titles, but they're not names. Only Adonai, Elohim, and Jehovah are the three names in the Old Testament. Now, there's one that really gets me. I can deal with the titles. That's okay. That's kind of cool. But they give this title to God. And they say one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah. You ever heard that before? Jehovah Jireh. That is not a name of God. And it is not a title of God. It is a name of a place. You look it up. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is willing to make his son a burnt offering. And God wanted to know, hey, it's not wrong for a father to love his son. But you don't ever love a son more than you love God. You don't ever love anything more than you love God. And so God was saying, are you willing to give up your son for me. It's not wrong to love your son, but where's the priority? Well, Abraham says, I, I, I'm, I, I'm willing to give up anything. So I'm willing to give up Isaac. He has got a knife ready to come down on his son as a burnt offering. And God says, Abraham. I don't know why, but he had to say it twice. Abraham! He says, now I know. I can see that you believe in me and that you fear and reverence me and that I'm worthy in your life. And then he said, Abraham, look around. And when he turns back, he sees a ram in a thicket because you remember Abraham said to Isaac, when Isaac said, hey, Abba, I got the wood and I got the fire, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. So he turns around and looks and there is a ram in the thicket. And God provided the sacrifice. And then you hear you hear this, Genesis chapter 22. And God and Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. For this is the place that God Provided. All right, now, I want everyone to get this. Just a moment ago, I had Gateway Baptist Church stand up because the church is not buildings, it's not walls, it's not gymnasiums, it's not the coolest floor in the world, it's not all that. A church is people. However, there can be a place that God provides. Would to God that there will be dozens, no hundreds, and we don't know when the Lord's coming back, but let's say it, thousands that will remember Gateway Baptist Church as a place that God provided. So you can enjoy and celebrate a place God has provided in Jehovah Jireh. But don't ever forget, the church is not a place. The church is people as well. All right, so now we're just about ready to get started. Here we go. And uh, I want to tell you something, man. Have I been struggling? I hear the testimonies and just everything. I feel like we've almost had a service already, but we're not done. And uh, but I I, I I was thinking, you know, I said, you know, Lord, last night I kind of preached on the anniversary. And uh, to pull up your tent pegs and move forward and go forward for God. And uh, I was told that this was a uh, kind of a a week meeting, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was our anniversary. It's our 23rd anniversary. But it's also our revival. And I said, okay, I'm doing the anniversary thing on Saturday night. And I'm going to do the revival thing on Sunday morning." And after hearing everything today, I went like, oh, man, Lord, I don't know. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God just said, preach on revival. You know, a lot of times they call an the anniversary week homecoming. You know, this is, hey, this is our, a lot of southern churches call their anniversary week homecoming. We're coming back to church. We're doing home. Well, you know what? That fits perfect together. Because I don't know of a better definition of revival than coming home to the Father. I think that's revival. Coming home to the Father. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to come home to our Father. And I can't think of a better passage than Luke chapter 15. So take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Now, some of you are thinking, Brother Shedler, Luke chapter 15, isn't that the prodigal son? I said, yeah, it is. That's where it is. Brother Cheller, that's that lost and found chapter, isn't it? Yeah, that is. This is the lost and found chapter of God's parables, the Lord's parables. It's, a, it's it's the prodigal son. Hey, everyone together. How many of you have ever heard the story or heard a message on the prodigal son? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, Probably everyone. I don't know if there's another parable that's more well-known than Luke chapter 15. You say, ah, oh, Brother Cheller. Man, we thought you were going to bring it today, man. We thought you were going to give something we've never heard before, just something, you know, those minor prophets or something, you know, and really get us going on the anniversary. Luke chapter 15, I didn't even need to come. I know this story, Brother Shetler. Well, let me tell you something about God's Word. I was a sophomore in college. It was Monday morning, and I was going to chapel. That day in chapel, one of our instructors spoken chapel that day. His name was Dr. Mike Bear. Dr. Bear got up and said, college students this morning, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19. That morning, Mike Bear preached a great message on little Zacchaeus. I walked out of chapel that day and I said, man, that was just what I needed today. That was a great message on Zacchaeus. The next day, our pastor back then was a man named Bob Taylor. Dear man, I got to serve under him as a youth pastor for seven years. But at that point, I was just a college student. Pastor Taylor got up Tuesday, and when he got up, he said, college students, if you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 19. Well, there was a little bit of snickering, and, and Pastor Taylor said, what are we snickering about today? And, you know, someone said, how are you preaching on Zacchaeus today? Well, yes, I am. Tuesday in chapel, Bob Taylor preached from Luke chapter 19 on Zacchaeus. I walked out of chapel that morning, and I said, man, you know, that was just what I needed today. That was just the message I needed. Wednesday, we didn't have chapel. Thursday, we had a guest speaker. He was a missionary. He was a major in the uh, the army, uh, but he was a missionary now, fought in Vietnam. His name was Major Ron Brooks. Major Brooks got up in chapel on Thursday and he said, college students, this morning I would like to have you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19, the place erupted in laughter, at which time we realized Major Brooks wasn't joking, and he was standing there like, what in the world? Man on the administration on the platform said, are you preaching on Zacchaeus today? And Major Brooks says, "Well, yes, I am." He said, "It'll be the third message this week." Gateway Baptist Church. As long as I live, I never want to forget this. I walked out of chapel that day, and I said, "You know what? That was exactly the message I needed to hear." And you hear this: there is no book like the Bible. There is no book that is more relevant to every day. My friend, you can hear a message on Zacchaeus every day of your life and you can say there's something I needed in that because there is no book like the Bible. Now let me tell you something. As long as this man continues to preach the Bible, you need to be here to hear it because you never heard, you say, Brother Shetler, I've heard so many messages on the prodigal son. You haven't heard it today. And you haven't heard it from Shuttler. You know what? Today, God has a message for every one of you. Look with me, if you would, at Luke chapter fifteen. By the way, Pastor, if I ever do come back, it'd be a great honor. But if I do, you're going to get steps to go right up here. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get my exercise today. Hey, you know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to read a story that you know so well. Would you stand with me? as we look at Luke chapter 15, and we'll start at verse 11, and I'll do everything I can to to hold my tongue back for just reading the scriptures, okay? But let me read you the story as you follow along. There may be a couple words along here I'm gonna ask you to say out loud with me, but let's look at Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Let's look at the prodigal son. And he, that would be Yeshua HaMashiach, that would be Jesus Christ. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his je- journey into a, everyone together the next two words. Okay, I know you're all standing, but you got to hear this. Everyone look this way. A far country. He said, Brother Sheldon, we don't need that. We're in church today. Let me tell you something. I've dealt with people for 45 years in ministry. Almost everyone that I've dealt with go to church. You can be in a far country in your heart and come to church every Sunday. There are individuals that could be in this room that are so far from the Father's house in their heart. It's unbelievable. But you're here every... You don't miss a service at Gateway. Man, you're all about Gateway Baptist, but you're living in a far country. Tuesday afternoon, Friday nights, you're in a far country in your heart. So you know what? We look at this prodigal and we think of a geographic location. Let's look at it as a spiritual condition. We can be in a far country. I know, I know, I'm preaching already, but let's keep going. Into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. That, but by, by the way, that's what the word prodigal means. Prodigal means to waste. Verse 14. And when he had spent all, and there comes an end to human resources. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain, that's crazy, desire, have filled his belly with the husk that swine did eat, and no man gave it unto him. Now the next six words are the most important words in this entire story. So I'm going to ask Gateway Baptist to say verse 17, the first six words with me, everyone together. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet, oh man, a great way off, his father saw him and had everyone together and had... Aren't you glad that word isn't condemnation? Aren't you glad and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him? And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, hey, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was, everyone together, dead. And is, everyone together, next two words, alive again. He was lost, and he is found, and they began to be merry. Father, I pray for a homecoming today. Lord, we have celebrated the anniversary of a local New Testament church today. But Father, I pray today there would some come home to you. And Lord, they may be regular members. They're here every Wednesday. They're here Sunday morning. They may teach Sunday school. And in spiritually, they're living in a far country. I pray today for revival. I pray today we would come home to a father God, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship. And I pray today that we would get hungry to come back to our Father. God, we, we give you this message. We've been here a while already, but God, just arrest everyone's heart, may this be a homecoming service, that there is revival. We pray this now in Jesus' name. God's children said, you may be seated. Now, Luke chapter 15, there are three lost items. There is a lost sheep. Now, the sheep got lost naturally. When God created animals, he gave them this instinct. And most, almost all animals. We're given a built-in GPS system. I mean, you can, it's just amazing how God created these animals with these GPS systems. Man, I gotta tell you what, I've heard stories of dogs that were left at state parks hundreds of miles away from their house and they got back to their home. I've heard about cats. I wish they wouldn't have come home, but anyways, (laughs) I have. I've heard about cats that figured out, I don't know how they they got this GPS system. Animals have been given a GPS system to find their way. (laughs) Except for sheep. Sheep, you take sheep out in a field and you leave them, they don't have a clue. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Naturally, sheep get lost. Is it not interesting that of all of God's animals, God decided to choose sheep to compare it to us? All we like... Sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. You know what? We all got lost naturally. You don't have to do one thing to go to hell. You don't. You're on your way to hell because of our nature. Our nature, our propensity is to go wrong. The sheep got lost naturally. Now the coin was different. Now I like this lady. This lady definitely knows how to party, so I like this lady. But I got to tell you, she's a little careless. The sheep got lost naturally. The coin got lost carelessly. She was counting her her coins one day, and she'd go, man, I'm missing my silver coin. Where's my silver coin? I don't know where my coin is. I don't know where it is. Where Where'd I leave it? She tears up her house. Looking for this. She carelessly left the coin somewhere. And she's tearing up the house looking for it. You know what? We can get away from God carelessly. And I think sometimes we get this subtle idea. Because we're in church. We're doing okay. Guys, you got to take care of your life every day. By the way, I know marriages that were not lost For any sinful reason. But the marriage was lost because they were careless. Let me tell you something. You got to keep your relationship with God going. You get careless with your relationship with God. You go, ah, it's no big deal. I missed my devotions for the last three weeks. But it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And you got to be careful. The sheep got lost naturally. The coin got lost carelessly. But I'm going to tell you. The boy got lost Willfully. He made decisions. And the decisions that he made caused him to get away from his father. Now, I'm going to tell you, we can. You just leave us to ourselves, we'll get away from God. And come on, if we're not careful, we will carelessly get away from God. But I'll tell you our biggest problem. We make decisions every day of our life that's causing us to go further away from our God prodigal son he got lost willfully now there's three cool things about about these three have you ever thought about this before all three items number one all had value man that sheep was a big deal. he put all those other sheep in the fold and a shepherd goes after her. the shepherd didn't go like well I lost one of my sheep today no no because that sheep had value, he went after it. That lady, she tears up her house looking for that coin. It wasn't a penny that she said, oh, well, I lost that little penny or whatever. It was a silver coin. She, You know why she tore that house up looking for that? Because that coin had value. And I'm going to tell you, every day, that dad went out on that porch. And that boy that was away, that boy had value. And I want to tell you something about you today. I don't know your name and I don't know your life, but I know this, you have value, you have worth, God has a plan, God has a purpose, I look at these front two rows, I'm going to tell you young people, you have value, in a world that devalues your gender, devalues your identity, let me tell you something young people, every one of you got value to God, and every one of you, and if you're a senior saint here, and they said, well, it really doesn't matter now. I'm so old, I can't do any. No, you still have value to God. There isn't anyone in here. All three of those items had value. Number two, I love this. They were all found, praise God. Then they found. he found that sheep, and she found that coin. And praise God, the boy came home. They were all found. But I love this. Pastor, I love this. They had a party after every one of those were found. And we're going to eat soup today. <laughs> but you know what? I love that. I love that there was rejoicing. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't believe the lie of the devil. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. There are some of you that are far away from the Lord right now. And you couldn't even tell your spouse that because you would say, if I told my spouse where my heart is right now, and what's going on in my life, they would leave me. No, 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 no. That is a lie. You get right with God today, there will be rejoicing in this church. You come back to the Lord today, and you say, yeah, but I've been living a really fake life, and I've been, I'm in a far country in my heart, and boy, I'd, I'd be like the hypocrite. No, it wouldn't. I'll tell you right now, you get right with God today, and you come back, there will be rejoicing, and there would be a good chance... That it would probably start a fire of revival in this church. Now, let me tell you something. Don't you believe the lie that you know, like you know what? I I I don't think I could. No, you can, and there will be rejoicing when you do. I think we think that God is going to punish us. If no, God's waiting for you to come back. So I got two questions, and we're done. And the second one's it will not take much time at all. The first one's going to take a little bit of time. Two questions about this story. Number one, why? Why did the prodigal come home? And number two, how did the father receive him? I want you to see these two things, and we'll be done. The first one, we're gonna take a little bit of time on. The second one, we'll do in just a few moments. But I want you to, I, I, I have two questions, and I don't know, I've heard, and I've heard a thousand messages on this passage, but when it all boils down to me, there's two questions. Number one, why did the prodigal son go home? And I think there's three answers. Now, you could say very easily, and you would be right if I was giving you a test, and I said, why did the prodigal come home? And you would say, verse 17, when he came to himself. That is absolutely true. When he came to himself, that's when he decided to go home. But what does it mean to come to yourself? I mean, have you ever thought about how how silly this is? Okay, how do you come to yourself? You're walking down the street one day? Jim! Jim Shuttler! How are you doing? Shuttler, Great to see. How do you come to yourself? I mean, I don't mean to be goofy, but how do you come to yourself? I think there's three ways. I'll tell you how he did. He came to himself when he got hungry. When he got hungry. Look at, did you see that? It's right there. When he got hungry, he came to himself. Man, I love this. Look at at the end of verse 17. Help me out. And when he came to himself, he said, man, what am I doing here? How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with everyone together? What's the next word? when he came to himself he says man i'm dying of hunger now i don't know if you ever picked up on this i think i love my king james translation but some of us we jump over this old king this old king james and we and we never we never hey what does that mean look at verse 16 and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that swine did eat okay i want to talk to you about this do you know what wood fain" means? It means desire. Desire. Brother Shuttler, he desired the slop and the husk that the pigs ate. Yeah, isn't that amazing? But I'm going to tell you, you can develop an appetite for the slop of this world. That's amazing. He desired... Guys, He would have feigned to fill his belly with the husk that the pigs ate. He developed an appetite. Now, I I don't want to get off on a tangent, but, but this is a great illustration of this. No human being on planet Earth has ever, has ever opened a can of beer and drank beer for the very first time and said, wow that tastes really good. No. Nobody has ever eaten corrupted wheat and barley and ever said, hey, that was really good. But people have developed an appetite for the trash of this world. Now, I want to tell you something. You can develop a hunger for anything. And it is whatever you focus on is what you're gonna if if I started talking about a certain food today, and I'm not gonna do it because it'll, it'll mess you guys up, and we're too close to getting me. If I started talking about a certain kind of food, didn't matter. You would go, yeah, boy. That sounds really. You start focusing, you start getting an appetite. He starts focusing on the Father, and he starts getting an appetite. Let me tell you something. You start getting hungry for God. You're on your way home. You start, you know what our problem is? We are self-full of the things of this world. Yeah, you guys have disciplined yourself to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. You've disciplined it, and you know it's your duty to be here Wednesday night, and the majority of you have trained yourself to go to church because you know it's right, but you're not hungry. Man, let's get hungry for God. I'll tell you what, I'm praying in my hotel this morning, and I'm on my knees, and I say, you know, God, I'm, I'm preaching this message. And I've preached this message before. I, I don't, Not that many times, but I've preached this message before. But you know what? This morning I just said, you know, God, I can get up, and I can work myself up, and I can get excited, and I'm the kind of guy that gets passionate. But I said, God, I'm not hungry for you. There's not that hunger there. Hey, let me tell you something, Gateway Baptist. Man, let's rejoice. Let's do the anniversary thing. But I'll tell you what we need. We need a hunger for God. We need a focus and an appetite that says that you will get out of a pig pen if you get a hunger for God. I got to tell you, I work with these college students, and they got a great spirit. They're all just, I got 500 of the best student body in the world, man. They're just the greatest kids. But I got to tell you, you see some college students, They are hungry for God. And you see others, they're just there. And there is something about a hunger for the Lord. Hey, if you've lost that, ask God today. God, I'm ready to come home. I want a hunger for you. I'll tell you why. What does it mean, Brother Shuttler, that he came to himself? Number one, he got hungry. Everyone together, what's the first thing he got? Hungry. That was not very good at all. First thing he got was hungry. Number two. He got honest. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. I'm not a victim of a culture and a society. It's not my parents' fault. It's not everything else. It's me. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Now, let me tell you. You come to the father When you get hungry and you come to the father when you get honest. So I'm going to do something now. And many of you, most of you have never heard me preach before, but if you ever did hear me preach and if you ever were with me for a long period of time, you would notice something about my preaching. I never tell canned jokes. I just don't tell jokes. I don't tell jokes well, but if any of you that there's a few of you that I have known brother Schaller for a long time, it's true. He never tells any jokes. I don't know how to tell jokes. I get, I got a lot of stories that are funny, but I don't about what's happened in my life. But I got to tell, I don't tell canned jokes, but I have one. (laughs) (laughs) You know where this is going, brother. And you guys get to hear my one joke. And I really mean it. You can look up all the YouTubes on Shetler. You go, that isn't true, man. The guy that has no canned jokes whatsoever. The only joke that this guy has ever told publicly is the one we heard that Sunday. I'm telling you the truth. You ask my wife. I do not tell jokes, but I got one. And you guys get it. There's this guy who was a clown in a circus. And he was called in by the manager of the circus. And the manager said, Hey, have you noticed our attendance is going down? And the clown goes, Yeah, I have noticed it. Well, I'll tell you what, we're laying people off. And you're going, We don't need another clown. No, sir, I got to have this job. I, I, I got to have this job. This is, I got a family, I got, I got a wife and kids, and, and, and I just, uh, I, I, I got I, I to have this job. And the manager says, No, it ain't happening. We don't have any more spaces and we're, 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 we're making cuts and we're done. You're fired. No, sir. I gotta, I gotta be the clown here. I, I gotta have this job. The manager looks over in the corner and there's a gorilla outfit sitting over in the corner. And the guy goes, well, I gotta tell you, you remember last week we sold the gorilla to the zoo? Yeah. Well, we need a gorilla. Gorilla. You think you could be a gorilla? Yeah, I'll be the best gorilla you ever had. i say, well, here you go. Put this costume on. And you put the costume on, and you're a good gorilla. And you really act like you're real. We'll keep you. Oh, man, I got this. Well, that night, the guy gets the gorilla outfit on. And he's in that circus. And he comes and does his act. He's amazing. And everybody thinks he's a gorilla. And he's doing all these tricks. And they're going, can you believe that gorilla? And they go back to their friends and say, Man, you gotta come to the circus. You gotta see this gorilla. This guy's amazing. And every night, this clown in the gorilla outfit is doing all kinds of stuff, and every the place is getting packed, and they're all coming to hear this gorilla. Well, this one night, the gorilla, the guy, goes up the ladder on the tightrope. And this gorilla. This man and this gorilla, he's walking across the tightrope. And people are yelling. They go, I've never seen anything like that. How could that animal do it? That's incredible. Look at that gorilla. And he's walking across the tightrope. And people are yelling and screaming. And he falls. He falls out the tightrope right into the lion's den. And he falls into that lion's den and right about that time the lions start roaring and they're going to eat the gorilla. And the guy freaks out. He takes off the head of the gorilla costume and he says, help, help me, somebody help me. And one of the lions says, shut up or we're going to all lose our job. (laughs) That's the only joke I got. But let me tell you this. Do we not all come to Gateway Baptist with costumes on sometimes? And we don't want anyone else to really get right with God because if they really get transparent and they start talking about what they've done in their life, whoa. Hey, you know what? You come to the Father when you get honest, you come back to the Father when you quit playing the games. And you take the stinking costume off, Gateway Baptist. And you get real. Oh, we just all love each other. And we just have fellowship. You guys have fellowship for a long time, let me tell you. But you know what? I'll tell you, real fellowship is when people stop taking the mask off. And they start taking their costumes off. And they start being real. Man, I'm struggling with stuff. My wife and I are going through some stuff. I'm struggling with some things. Now we 're coming back to the Father when you get honest with God, when you take the costume off when you when you get hungry, but there is one other thing guys, and it 's important not only did he get hungry, not only did he get honest, he got humble. Would you look at me look with me at verse nineteen, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. He humbled himself. He said, you know what? I'm going back to my dad. I'm not going back to my dad as a son. I'm going back to my dad as a servant, as a slave. I'm just humbling myself. Man, I know I'll never be a son again. I know I'll never have that position again. But I just want to humble myself. So I want to be transparent with you. My first year of marriage, I came from a broken home. It was a very abusive thing. It wasn't sexual abusive, but it was very verbal and very physical. My mom and dad got a divorce at 14. And I love my mom. I love my dad. I got to lead my dad to the Lord 25 years after I got saved. It's a cool story. My mom and dad ended up being in a church that I pastored, and they restored their marriage. It's a a really cool story. But my dad had a terrible anger, just a terrible anger. When I was dating Lee, she was a missionary kid, I would tell her about my dad and, and the kind of background that I came from. And, you know, I mean, you always say, but praise God I got saved, you know, whatever. Well, we're traveling together. I was a college rep my first year of marriage. And Marilee and I are traveling around together, and we're traveling in an Airstream travel trailer. And I just got, I'm just being very transparent. I'm an angry man. I'm 23 years old. I'm getting angry. I'm not cussing or swearing, but I'm showing a lot of anger. We're parked at a church in Pennsylvania and Marilee and I have a big fight. This first year of marriage and we have a big argument and I get really angry and I'm hitting things. I'm not touching my wife, but I'm hitting things. I think I broke something. And Marilee looked at me and she said this. She said, you know, Jim, when we were dating, you told me all about your your dad and you told me all about his anger. Well, can I tell you something? You got your dad's anger. And I will tell you, Jim, if I knew you were going to be this kind of angry man, I would have never married you. Whoa. I went out of that Airstream, I slammed the door, and I walked around that church for over an hour. And I'm telling you, I was mad. I was angry. And God got a hold of me and said, you know what, now you hear this, Jim. Jim. This is not a Raymond Shetler problem. This is a Jim Shetler problem. And you need to take responsibility for your own anger and quit blaming your dad for the way you're living. And I'm walking around that church, and I get on my knees, and I said, Oh, God, I need to get this anger thing taken care of. It's my fault it's my responsibility, and God, I got to have your help. And I humbled myself, and I went back into that Airstream, and I opened that door, and Merrily looked at me, and I got on my knees, and I said, Merrily, I ask you to forgive me for the anger that I have had. And this has not been Raymond Shetler's fault. This is Jim Shetler's fault. And I humbled myself, and by God's grace and for God's glory, I don't want to have that anger anymore. Now, I'm going to tell you, if my wife was here right now, she wouldn't, she, 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 and you asked her, hey, how's, it, how's his anger? She would say two things. One, yeah, he's gotten angry since then, but he's never been the same. And I will tell you, you do not see it in Ben, Luke, or Drew. I believe that night I dealt with generational sin. I humbled myself, and you do not see that anger. My my boys got some other problems. I'm not saying my boys are perfect, but I will tell you, none of my boys had the anger issues that I had. And I'm going to tell you why. I finally humbled myself and took responsibility for my life and said, God, it ends right now. You know when a person comes to themselves? They get hungry. They get honest, and they get humble. And they said, God. I'm ready to deal with this. And you come back to the father. Brother Shetler, why did the prodigal son go home? Because he got hungry. Why did the prodigal son go home? Because he finally got honest. Brother Shetler, why did the prodigal son finally go home? Because he humbled himself. Last thing and we're done and it's short. How did the father receive him? I want everyone to hear this. He did not receive him with caution. He received him with compassion. When that father that day was out on that porch and he's looking down the street, he didn't say, look who's coming back. I wondered. Wonder what he wants now. That was not it. The father received him not with caution. He received him with compassion. Number two, he did not receive him with regret. He received him with rejoicing. But this is the one I want you to get. And this is, there's one doctrinal point to this message, and here it is right now. When the the boy came back, he did not receive him as a servant. He received him as a son. Now listen to me. He never stopped being the father's son. When the boy was in a far country in the pig pen, he was still the father's son. Okay, that's not the doctrinal point. Here's the doctrinal point. And if you have not listened to one thing, listen to this. Now, this is very important. God is the creator of all mankind. He created mankind in his image. He is the creator of all mankind. But God is not the father of all mankind. You got to be born into the family. And the way you get born into the family is by asking the son, Jesus Christ, to be your savior. So listen to me. The prodigal son story is not for all of mankind. The prodigal son's story is only for those that are in the family. So you hear this. If you're here today and you've never received the son, this story has nothing to do with you. Listen to what John 1 12 says. But as many as received... Him, Jesus. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, listen, this is so important to get because if you left here and thinking, and you're on your way to hell right now and you have never received Jesus, this story has nothing to do with you. You got to receive Christ. For the forgiveness of sins. And when you do. You become a child of God. And when you become a child of God. You are always his son. From that point on. Now this is very important. Because I've seen a lot of people. That are lost going. Yeah you know that story about the prodigal son. That's kind of like me. No it's not. You are not the prodigal son. You're a prodigal. You've wasted your life. But you're not a son. Until you receive, the, until you receive Christ. But if you have ever trusted the Lord, it doesn't matter. Listen, guys, I have been out of the will of God, but I have never been out of the hands of God. Ever since I trusted Jesus Christ as my son, I'm not telling you that I've lived this perfect life at all, but I am going to tell you, he's always been my father since November 8th, 1969, as a 12-year-old boy, when I was born again, and I asked Jesus. So if you're here today, And you've never asked Christ to be your savior. You got to get in the family first. But if you know Jim, I know I've trusted the Lord. I know I'm a child of God. But I am in a far country, and today I got a hunger. It has been so long since I've been hungry. And by the way, if you can honestly say, I'm just being Jim. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not really even hungry. And let me ask you to get up, come down to an altar, and say, God, get me hungry again. Humble yourself. Get honest. Let's quit playing games. Oh, you guys have the best fellowship time I think I've ever been in a church. But I'll tell you, real fellowship. When people start taking the mask off, and they get honest, and they say, God, I'm ready to do something. Now, I'll tell you what anniversary is all about. Homecoming. Let's come home. To the Father. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask a couple questions. With heads bowed, eyes closed, by the way, thank you for listening. It's been a long morning. Thank you for listening so well. With heads bowed, eyes closed, can I ask you something? How many in this room can say with confidence, Jim, I don't know many things in my life, and I can't tell you that I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I am going to tell you, Jim. I don't remember the day, you mentioned the date. and I don't remember what I prayed, but I'm gonna tell you, Jim. I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus paid for my sin, and I, I was a young kid, and, and I don't know, I didn't understand a lot, but I did understand that I was a sinner, and I did understand that Jesus was perfect in God, and he paid the price for my sin, and as a young child, as, and maybe as a teenager, maybe it was as an adult, I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. Jim, I know I am a child of God because I've received the son. If that is true, would you lift your hand very high all over the auditorium? Would you do that? Would you lift your hand? Very good. Thank you, you may put your hands down. Now, I wanna thank you for your honesty. But obviously, there's something going hey man, I, I can't raise my hand. I I do not know that I've ever done that. Hey, I want to ask you, would you like to know? Would you like to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you like to become a part of the family of God? Now listen, that doesn't make the family of God better than you, friend. But it does give you a relationship. And all you've had is a religion, ma'am, sir, Is there someone this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed that would quietly say, hey, Jim, I want to join the family today. I'd like to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. If that's true, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone? Would you raise your hand? Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Praise God. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put that hand down. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I want to get saved today. I'm not part of the family. I want to trust the Lord. Anyone else? Praise God for that. Now, believers, I'm going to ask you, are you ready to get hungry? Are you ready to get honest? And are you ready to get humble? He came to himself I think the coolest thing about having an anniversary Gateway Baptist Church, that was the day, the 23rd anniversary, I came to myself, and I came back home. Oh, I've been going to church here, but I've been in a far country. How many of you would say, God has spoken to my heart today, and I'm ready to come home? I needed this, Brother Shetler. God has spoken to my heart. My hunger wanes, I need to humble myself, and I need to get honest. God knows, and I'm ready to come home today. If that's true, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand all over? Okay, let me ask you to do something. Right from your seat, right now, would you just get up and come on home? Would you just come on down to the altar and say, dear God, I'm ready to come home. For the one that raised their hand for salvation, can I encourage you to just step on out? Let's get it taken care of today. Let's just do this, man. Let's say today, I want to trust the Lord as my Savior. Come on, come on, get saved. Praise the Lord. You come, this is your chance. Let's get honest. Let's take the mask off today at Gateway. Let's be willing to humble ourselves. (laughs) You see, Brother Shuttler, I just got to tell you, I don't even have a hunger. Well, then you know what? Let me encourage you to step on out. And say, Dear God, I need to start developing a hunger for you. I have so focused on the things of this world.
1: Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed this, this morning? Maybe you raised your hand just a few minutes ago concerning salvation. We don't want to embarrass you. Maybe you just want to come on down to the front and one of our gentlemen or one of our ladies can take you and walk you through Scripture, show you from God's Word how you can get that settled. It's the best decision I ever made. And every other Christian in here can testify to that in their own personal lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you're needing to come home, but there's that pride that's puffing up. I want to encourage you, come home piano's playing some are praying if the lord's dealing with you i encourage you find yourself this altar let's do business with the lord this morning maybe you just want to thank him for his faithfulness in your life maybe you want to thank him for those days or that moment in your own life whenever you went astray i don't know whatever the lord's doing in your life i encourage you find yourself the altar let's spend some time in prayer